1: And welcome to PayDirt, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pay Dirt. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA, their Silent Disco IPA, and their Double Disco Double IPA. But don't forget Our official beer, the Paydirt IPA, is still available right now in Funk's Emmaus Taproom only. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their taprooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and giveaways all season long Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, or the college football bowl season. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, and receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart and on the back circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. I know this is coming out on Christmas Day, but if you were a little late with your gift giving, (laughs) it's the perfect gift. Head to shop.believe.com Com. That's shop.bleav.com and search Pater for our two t shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network. It's available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037. At McGloin and QB11 and at Tom Hannafin. This show is airing on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas to all of our viewers that celebrate Christmas and of course happy holidays, happy new year. This is a very exciting time of year. And we're about to get into that point in the offseason, Matt, where we're going to start doing a lot more player interviews and hearing from former players, former Penn State Lion players and coaches, that is. And you know, we got the Rose Bowl coming up on January 2nd. So we're going to need our fix in some sort of way. So we were thinking about. Who are the two most requested guests in the history of Pater? One we got recently in Brandon Noble and the other Keith Goon Conlon. So I'm thrilled that we have Goon back for this one.
2: Oh, my God. My gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Two great personalities, you know, two two great Penn State football players, two loyal Penn State football players there. And, and you're right. I, I think those two, at least, you know, when you look back at, at all, the, all the shows we've done, all the episodes that uh that we've put out you know we're we're very very fortunate that the feedback has been great when we do reach out to members of the penn state community and and invite them on as guests uh but uh but yeah you do you do get a lot of people saying hey i listened to that noble episode or you got to have goon on again so very lucky that uh you know goon is a fan of the show and you know he's willing to come on
1: today's episode this is paydirt's gift to all of you so without further (laughs) ado here's Goon. Joining us now here on Pater, former Penn State offensive lineman Keith Goon Conlon, great friend of the show. I apologize for missing the last time you were on the show. I'm thrilled to have you on here this time. Uh, between yourself and Brandon Noble, I believe are the two most requested guests back <laughs> here on the show. I can't imagine why two of the most outspoken people in the history of Penn State football. So, uh, Goon, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we dive into you know what's going on right now with Penn State football, obviously, this week, uh, the penn state football community uh the football community as a whole lost an icon in franco harris I was very near and dear to a lot of nittany lion fans hearts um any memories or stories about franco harris that come to mind
0: yeah uh, i was when i came back and i was getting my master's degree i was working with with, with dr pete bordy over the uh uh with the hotel management group and stuff like that in the restaurant industry he he actually does some business with Franco in the uh, what Matt would remember those chocolate shakes that they had post practice stuff. Matt, mm-hmm. were you guys getting those things? Remember, so you know Franco was involved a little bit with that. So he actually came and I had a sit down with him for like forty five minutes, and he had the ability to just. I mean, there's there's certain people in this world who have that ability to make you feel like you're the only person there, <laughs> and he was genuinely interested in where you what you were doing, where you were from. What brought you there? And he was a genuine person. You can see it on a lot of the social media stuff that's come out. I mean, everybody from State College to Pittsburgh has got a picture of him. I mean, he might be the most photographed man in the history of of sports. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, But everybody's got a story about him. You don't hear bad ones. Uh, I I recall Gary Brown, who played here at Penn State before I even got here. He passed away of cancer in the last year. And I remember just sitting there and I, I mean, just reading the eulogies and reading the people who were making stories. And like, honest to God, one person, I think it was OJ McDuffie. He came out and said, literally, there's not one bad story about the guy, you know, and that was about Gary Brown. But, you know, you could actually throw throw Franco in that situation right there because he was so good at at helping out. I mean, if you needed help, uh, the special Olympics, him and Sue, you know, all the time. And he, he helped out there every year. I mean, He's before my time as a, as a, obviously as a player, but I mean, you know, he retired when I was like 10 or 11, 12 years old. So I don't really remember the seventies with the, with the, with the Steelers and all that, but that dude was an icon. He retired number three rusher in the history of NFL football by the time he retired. I mean, that's pretty damn amazing. Uh, So, you know, not a bad story about the guy. The guy was a great, uh emissary for penn state and for the pittsburgh steelers and you could tell the way people are reaching out and how they're emotionally hurt by it because it, this was the weekend that he was going to be honored yeah it was it was he had been doing so much help for so many different people for years upon years upon years and now it was his turn i guess that the rooney family decided that one guy from the 70s on defense would have their number retired that's me and joe green and then only one guy from the offense, because you probably have 15 guys you can retire numbers for from those teams. So they had picked him, and that, that was a damn honor in itself. And, you know, the, the fact that it happened a couple days before this all went down on the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception is crazy.
1: Yeah, the timing is just uh, – it, it's heartbreaking, and at the same time, you know, the Steelers always t- do right by their legends, So I'm I'm thrilled to see that. Uh, McGloin, do you have any particular memories of Franco? Did you ever have a chance to meet him?
2: I agree with goon you know it's one of those things where like I mean obviously he was before my time but you you know who he was and the impact that he had and the type of player that he was I mean there's certain guys and and not just in football baseball basketball whatever it may be that are bigger than the game he was bigger than the game I mean you think Penn State Penn State football, I mean, there's a few guys that come to mind and he is at the top of the list and, and Goon, it it really hit home when you said he made you feel like when he was talking to you, you're, you're the only person in the world. Really. I had a chance to see him. I saw I was part of the big 10 network crew for the Penn state central Michigan game. And they asked, they asked me to do the big 10 tailgate show um, before that game. So I had a chance to say hello to him before uh, I went on the stage there and like he just, you're right, Goon. He just cared about what you were doing, how everything was going. You, you can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. Um, but uh, a, a true legend. And, you know, he he always wore the Joe hat with the 409 uh, on the side. Um, just just a loyal guy who loved Penn State, loved the Penn State family, loved the Penn State community. And, again, for somebody like me who, you know, wasn't even born when – when he was one of the best players in college, one of the best players in the national football league, you just, yeah. you, you had an instant connection with him. You felt like you, you always knew him, right? It's just, he was just that type of person. So, you know, you just, you, you, it's heartbreaking. You, you, you keep him and his family and your thoughts and prayers right now. And yeah. um, it's just, it's, it's, it's really sad. So, Matt, I got a
0: great story to end up on that CMU tailgate thing. So, I have a nephew who's 22, 23 years old, and him and his buddies were at my tailgate every week. And I think the one kid just continued on from the night before, if you know what I mean, with his uh, party. And <laughs> So, he goes up to the Fox thing uh, where you were doing your C- uh, Central Michigan pregame, and he goes, <laughs> and is this funny because this I don't know this kid from Adam – but he calls me Uncle Goon because that's what my nephew calls me, and I'm like, he's like Uncle Goon. I just met this guy Franco Harris at the upstairs, up at that Fox tailgate. He goes, "Did you play with him?" And I looked at him and I said, "Dude, come on, man. I wasn't. I mean, I was born and he was in the NFL, but dude, a funny story because you brought that this the Central Michigan tailgate up. But I was just hilarious. He's like Uncle Goon. Did you play with Franco Harris? I'm like that. I'm not that old kid. Damn." <laughs>
1: I mean Franco you know he was a letterman from 69 to 71 for those that don't know and the the amazing thing and I talked to Mike Poorman about this on the last episode that we had was that he was second fiddle to Lydell Mitchell and I mean yeah. that with all due respect Lydell Mitchell was the feature back Franco was primarily there as a blocker but he was getting his carries as well and to yeah. this day I believe his 19th in the history of Penn State football in rushing yards I mean yeah. the, the staying power is just unbelievable goon and at the same time I don't I mean, know if
0: look at the size of him.
1: Yes. He was
0: six two, six three, two hundred and forty, like two hundred and twenty-five-pound full running back. This is when your offensive linemen were like two fifty and two sixty. That is a big man running around in the backfield. Huge the thing, man.
1: The thing I love about a Keith is that you know he's Who? been connected with the program now for 50 years. And again, it's something I talked to Mike Portman about is that The last handful of generations of players, and it has nothing to do with anybody that's gone through the doors of Penn State. This is football players altogether. You're seeing more and more that some of them finish out their time as a player and they move on to jobs that are completely unrelated to football. We've had guys like that here on the show, and it's not like they don't love football. They're just moving on with their lives. But for a guy like Franco to be connected with Penn State and the Steelers community and just the football world for the better part of 50 help, well into his high school years, so sixty years. I don't know if you're going to see people like that anymore. What do you think? Ah, uh, I mean, I'd like to
0: be one of them, but I said about twenty more, twenty or thirty more years to go. But I, you know, you, you got to put it in perspective. He was a star, so it wasn't like just like Joe Joe Slappy coming around and hanging out and watching practice and this and that. I mean, he was literally an NFL star. He was obviously he was more obviously better known as an NFL player than he was a college player. I mean you just proved you just said that when he you know Lydell Mitchell was the stud running back. He was the fullback. And uh going to Pittsburgh he really just he 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 shined there so much and uh you know he made his you know his his name in his in, in the NFL world. So Uh, But the fact that he came back to Penn State and was so loyal to Penn State, I mean, he he was very, very loyal to Joe and and to Sue within the last 10, 12 years when that wasn't exactly looked. It was looked down upon if guys were putting their necks out there at at times. And he wouldn't he wouldn't allow it. He he did that. He put his neck out there, put his name on the line. And, uh, you know, you got to respect the man for that.
1: And it came on the day that he passed was this past Wednesday. It was National Signing Day. Uh, which is a huge day, a very busy day in regards to the business of football. And even uh, James Franklin and Pat Kraft commented on the passing of Franco Harris. And you could see even James Franklin, who's a really measured, calculated dude, was not exactly sure how to pivot from addressing the passing of a legend in Franco Harris to, well, let's talk about these recruits we have coming in. And my question to you, Keith, is that you you taking the temperature of the state college community or Penn State fans or even the program itself, is is the focus on the Rose Bowl there or has it been lost a bit because of the recruiting, the transfers, NIL, NSD, and then you know, unfortunately losing an icon?
0: Uh, I mean, to be honest, I was doing my the player show this year that I had a uh, Monday nights, and uh I had a real good feel of of this team. I honestly got I have a, a really good feel of it. And uh I was telling some guys that they were super, super, super excited that they were playing for that Rose Bowl. So to as a, as the team, I know that they are ready and they can't wait to get to the Rose Bowl because it is such a big thing. I mean Matt will tell you 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 come, you play in the Big 10, you want to do one thing, you want to play in the Rose Bowl. Uh there's no doubt. I mean that's that's the the ultimate dream for a Big 10 football player for a Penn State guy. Uh so I think that James does such a good job with partitioning out his time of where you know, he can you know, give those Franco Harris comments and then he can get back to the recruiting. And then he, 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 he is a good, a very, very good CEO uh, of for the football program. Uh, so I don't think he'll have a problem with it. I don't think the players, you know, I don't think the current players really have a feel for Franco. I don't think he was around them that much. Uh, the older players and the old alumni and, and the people of state college for sure definitely are still feeling it. And, like I said, you go on social media. Anybody from State College, from Lewistown, all the way over to Pittsburgh, had a picture of Franco. So uh, the guy, he, he, he you know, seventy two is a young, it's a young man. I mean, it, it, it really is when you really put it in perspective. Uh, and it's a sad day, and you know, we'll move on from it. And he'll be, you know, to make sure that you know they do they do something. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud now. Do you think Penn State does something? a patch or a sticker or something on the helmet to, you know, to commemorate him. I don't know. I mean, I just thought about that in my head. I mean,
1: it's a big enough head. I actually really years love years that ago. idea. I think that makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. But I think that, you know, the community is ready for the Rose bowl. But the players are specifically ready for the Rose bowl. And I know we're going to talk about that, but uh, you know, having talked to those guys and, and, and dealt with these kids all year uh, I know you guys are too young to remember, but, I tell the story all the time that our 1994 team wasn't the most talented team that we had in my career at Penn State. We had more talent on the 1992 team. But for some reason, those guys were more worried about their NFL chances. And then, you know, we lost a few games. and We weren't playing for a national title. We were in between the going to the Big Ten and then being independent. So we weren't allowed in certain bowl games. So if you obviously are way too young, remember, but we did sign up to play in a bowl in May. If you if you guys even remember that, so we we signed up because the Big Ten wouldn't allow us in their bowl games, and the and the the regular bowl system wouldn't allow us in because we were joining the Big Ten, so we weren't really independent. It was crazy, so we signed up to play the Blockbuster Bowl. All we had to do was win seven games. Now in 1992, I'm I'm being serious. We had more talent in 1992 than we did in 1994. The reason we were so good in '94 is because we learned from those guys' mistakes of just you know they were just okay, we're not playing for a national title, we'll pack it in, we're, we're done. So I noticed that team this year, uh, so that 92 team was the talented team, and then the 93 team, we had great leadership. And then 94, we obviously went on our run and did great. Uh, yeah. This team reminds me of our 93 team, and that was – it really does because – they had some classes before. The guys weren't tough. The guys didn't care. They were more worried about themselves, more worried about outside stuff. But this team actually does care, and they're very, very, very well-led from the player's perspective. You know, James doesn't have to go out there and police these guys and do all this. He has a great group of leaders on this team. And then, you know, they take this Rose Bowl. They're taking it serious. I mean, there's a lot of they're – all, they're all the guys, mostly all the guys are playing who are healthy are going to play. I know we got, you know, Porter is, he's, you know, the appendectomy, and then uh, Washington, he is whatever he has. So, they physically couldn't play, but everybody who could play is playing. So, I think that this means a lot to these guys, and I think that it's going to be that type of 1993 springboard where then you go into 1994 with a ton of momentum. That's the my feel on this yeah. team right now.
2: Goon, what's your schedule like now? For for those guys down there, as we approach Christmas, New Year's, and then get ready for that January second bowl. I don't leave? You know. You know what what? I oh, don't man. know. Yeah. We
0: stopped yeah. the, after the party after the Michigan State game. That's when we were done. So yeah, I mean, school was closed as of last Saturday. I mean, they had that snowstorm on last Thursday, and that was the Friday was the last day of finals. So they had to back them up one more day. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that the kids. You know what? I don't know. I don't know yeah, if the yeah. kids are they. they well, I
1: can, well, well, I can hop in there. We had uh, Mike Porman on last week and was saying that as of Christmas Day, the team uh, takes off and heads to California, and Christmas they've got Day? on their own or on Christmas Day. The team goes out on Christmas Day. I believe, if I have that correct, and then yeah. there's additional five practices that they have left remaining. They've used ten of them. They have another five that they're allowed to use during this time, and then obviously the game takes place on Monday the second. Hmm.
0: Same day as our Rose Bowl in nineteen ninety five, actually, and the eighty seven Fiesta Bowl, the January two games. Uh, Matt, what did you when you guys traveled? I mean, you obviously you had Joe. Then you well, we we left before years. we left huh?
2: before Christmas. Absolutely, we did. That that, that was the question. Yeah, because that, that was the, you know, and I know that has changed over the years um, at Penn State a little bit. There, it just always felt like a long period of time to be on location at a bowl.
0: Yeah. You know, so I was, went to one of my first two years Well, first year, excuse me, we played in the Fiesta Bowl and we did the whole fly out of the team. And I'm going to promise you those two weeks before that bowl week were the worst in the history of, of sports. I mean, it was bowl practices and stuff like that. So when he changed changes the routine up in 92 and 93, and then obviously when you were there, Maddie, and that was no, no, no. No practices for like a week or two except for the weekends. So you had your weeks off. That was more rest, rehab, and get your classes straight. And then when you went to the bowl game on December 20th and 21st, they beat the living crap out of you. <laughs> I mean, right? Or they, they were the worst practices of they were worse than any preseason or spring practice you, with a you... five five days of practice before Christmas. And then they give you Christmas Day off because you Joe knew no bars and restaurants were open, on you couldn't really get in trouble. <laughs> so nice. he knew what the hell he was doing. So when we go out on the, on the uh, for our bowl trips, we get Christmas Day and Christmas Eve off, and that was it. Did
2: JT ever put you guys through the manual lifts?
0: Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, 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 what, they were. I felt like those were yeah. terrible. Like they take were your jersey heavy. off and go through a manual workout. Here <laughs> yeah, because, I mean. Yeah at one point I think that we were JT was packing the weight room up if they didn't have like a like a really good facility for us to work out in that they would just pack the weight room up and just yeah. go putting up in, in a tent at, at our facility so we can get our lifts in during the week but um, one place we had the weight room was in the hotel they they, they just put the weight room in the hotel next to George's training room. I mean Jesus God I then mean, it's it felt like ever you were down there you were down there for like 15 16 days. I remember what was, I I was coaching. So I went down there December 19th and then we played in the uh, orange bowl in the the Florida state game. So that was like 19 overtime. So we, and that was like January 3rd or 4th. So we were down in Florida for like three weeks. It was crazy. I wasn't pointing though. You you talked
2: about recruiting uh, earlier and obviously recruiting is you know massive throughout this, this time here throughout the month of December and. Um, I'm sure you saw the comments about the kid from North Carolina. Now he's had a couple offers for five million dollars, right, to go to another another school. Uh, has he? Has he got anywhere? Or no? Is he still no, at North Carolina? It's, it's, right?
0: It's it, it, the May kid. So yeah, Drake May, the quarterback. I don't. <laughs> you guys should lead me down this path. I know what you're doing. Well, I you want me to go the off. Where I'm going? I with just this. how is that not tampering? though? No. <laughs>
2: It, the, the question I'm the question I want to ask you is like like obviously right now at this point in time it's recruiting 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 I get it and then being able to bring in a piece here or there that you may need through the portal but like with news like that like in 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 years to come do, do you see like the portal taking over the recruiting process because, well, that's, that's because of stuff can- like that
0: I did my whole show the other day, just complaining about the portal and the NIL money. I mean, the portal. I mean, you can't tell me that May has not been tampered. There's, there's teams contacting him and saying, "We'll give you five million dollars." That's tampering. That is the definition of tampering. If I'm Matt Brown, I'm calling that coach. Say, Sh- don't call my player. Mm-hmm. If you have your players, or like, you, a kid in your team knows him, and you make that offer, whatever. Yeah, it, that's how. That's where they're going to hide behind it, but that That's even uh, in this realm of uh, of recruiting now. And then the other part I was talking about in recruiting is how much money are you going to put towards recruiting a high school kid? And why would you? And then you know, Mattis is not. This is no offense to you, but no one was going. No one in their right mind right now would take a chance on you. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. You would have to go prove yourself at a one double A Division two lesser yep. type of school. Yep. And then you had you oh I was a freshman starter you played two years okay you made your bones working you can sign somewhere through the transfer portal, mm-hmm. I mean how many players did you play with that I play with and I'm I'm, I'm going to use Jeff Harding's my my teammate my roommate a two time All American three time All Big Ten player he was a two star recruit yep yeah. no right team in the Power Five by the way we only have about fifteen to twenty teams that go win a national title by the way because of the money thing nowadays. I mean, it used to be about 30 or 40 schools. Now it's down about 15 or 20. Uh, so and without like, a Jeff, why would somebody take a chance on him as a two-star guy when they can go pick somebody up from the MAC, pick somebody up from a, you know, a, a, a non-Power 5 conference, and they've proven that they can play, and then just plug them right in and play? So yeah. why are we spending this much money on our high school recruiting if we're just going to hit the transfer portal? So, And, uh, and then, you know, you normally me to go even deeper, I mean – when it we're not recruiting anymore we're just purchasing players out there not Penn State, but the way it is right now you' you're literally a a, a a general manager of a of a football team you know you're going out there and saying I can give you four million dollars come here and that's not recruiting you're buying athletes, you're buying players. so I mean when those these re- ast- astronomical recruiting budgets going to go away, you know what I mean? It's just its just crazy, crazy, crazy just where it's at right now. And, it, and to think that it started off with, oh, well, you know, let's get these guys some money for signing autographs or selling jerseys. That's where it started. And now it's gonna, we're going to give you $5 million to come play for our team.
1: It's, it's insane. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to smack apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their let there be white tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver stadium, or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio state haters out there. Smack apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must have teas for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website smackapparel.com and use the promo code paydirt at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com promo code paydirt at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. This month is No Shave November, so visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com all month long. You can get a free beard comb with any purchase of $25 or more. Just use the promo code FREECOMB. That's F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B. Also, a reminder, use our promo code paydirt15, that's paydirt15, at checkout, for 15% off your order. Maestro's classic, crafting a better you. It's gotten out of control, Keith. I completely agree with you. And at some point, you would hope there's some overall governance to to cover this but we know how the ncaa operates and that's not necessarily something they are really good at they don't really go in and make meaningful change that benefits everybody across the board then you have the issue of state to state laws regarding nil so it might behoove a guy to be in one state versus another one altogether and they see that opportunity and i think the point that you hit right on the head is that there are more coaches waiting for players in the transfer portal because I look at the linebacker that was just at the University of Oregon. I think uh, Justin Flo. um, He was a five star recruit, number one linebacker in the country. Uh, Had his seasons shortened three years in a row at Oregon due to injury. He's just transferred to the University of Arizona, which Arizona's oddly been a player in the transfer portal this year. So somebody's got some cash. Right. And Oregon's been throwing around a lot of money as well. So it begs the question, do you just wait to get that asset when it's a proven asset? whether that's a five-star, four-star, three-star, or do you look at you know the recruiting class that Penn State just brought in? This is not a better recruiting class than Penn State had in 2022. Is it, hey, we're going to go get high school players to be players on the depth chart rather than, oh, we're not looking for starters anymore?
0: Well, specifically, I'm. I'm we can just narrow it down. Uh, I mean, Matt's a quarterback, so he obviously – I do want to say this, speaking of quarterbacks. I think the transfer portal is a perfect – thing for quarterbacks. Yes. Because there's only one on the team that can play. And there, I mean, and I we can go down this whole path. And so uh, a quarterback, you if you're a a tight end and you stink, they can make you a tackle. If you stink there, they can make you a guard. Or, Or you're a nose tackle, they can make you an offensive guard. A bad linebacker, safety a corner, they can move you around. What does a quarterback have? You know? And it's sad, it stinks, but the transfer portal, I, I believe it, it, it's, it's feasible and workable and the right thing for quarterbacks. Now, I was saying on my show the other day, I mean, dude, there's no quarterback depth at any schools right now. I mean, if you're a two, you're gone. You're going to pl- try to play somewhere. So what's to stop teams from going after guys? Knowing that there is a huge drop-off between the one and two quarterback? I mean, yeah. I it's mean, becoming, it, it could get a little creepy. Could be scary.
2: It's becoming what the NFL is in terms of quarterbacks. You have a seasoned veteran, in a way, a guy that you know is going to be your starter year in and year out. And then behind him, you may have a developmental guy who can be your guy one day. Or there's even a few schools, right? that have a fourth year, uh, a fourth or fifth year guy, and then they also have an experienced veteran guy that may have played somewhere else that is now transferred in. Right to be a backup understands the position that that he's in and you know is just just there to to be there. But I completely agree with what you guys are saying when it comes to that because Goon, you even said there's 15 or 20 teams every year now that have the potential to to go for a national title. So I think what it what it could possibly become is that well those 15 or 20 teams are basically going to go after the top recruits year in year out. If they don't get them. It may become, well, we can't get the top players in America. Let's try to get the top players in the portal here moving forward, right? Because we already know these guys have already been in the system for one or two years. They understand the schedule. They understand how to work. They understand how to run a college offense or a college defense. They may not be playing, um, you know, and then it's their job to figure out what the problem is, why they're transferring, why they're leaving. Um, But, I mean, and then at the last, you know, it, it becomes, you know, recruiting and all right, we, we know this guy has potential. Can he develop into something? Can he turn into something one day for us here? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's
0: <laughs> it's a weird world and it's not a world I'm I'm interested in or even want to be involved in. I really don't. You don't know what's going uh, to happen about development. I mean, what's the hardest position to recruit right now is to try and try and figure out the potential of there is potential, but offensive line. You're just seeing a guy my size who's going to be in high school throwing guys like you around, your size around. You know what I mean? So how do you know how I'm going to react to playing somebody of my own size? So why even recruit high school offensive linemen? Just go. Somebody else is going to take a chance on them. They're going to to go to Toledo and be a two-year starter. Then you say, you know what? Why don't you come play for us for two years? I mean, why why do you bring these kids in when you can go out and get 15 or 16 guys who have already played? I mean, it's bizarre. And then I, I went off. Uh, another one of my shows <laughs> is that the silver lining of the whole NIL and the transfer portal thing is is that if you're just going to buy players, you sure as hell better be able to coach them. So I think we're going to get away from these dynamic, super recruiting guys who, oh, well, they he, he can recruit. He can bring all these different players. If you can't coach them and they don't know what the hell they're doing, you're not going to win games. So you're going to get back to people who actually know the X's and O's And who were, you know, it's going to improve the game, hopefully. And if it's not, those coaches are going
1: to be gone. If anything, Keith, that makes me feel very confident about who Penn State has in terms of coordinators and assistants and position coaches. Because regardless of you know how Yursich has performed, obviously he's got a great track record with quarterbacks throughout his career, and he's clearly settling into a new situation. He's about to get the keys to the Drew Aller Corvette, which is great. Then Manny Diaz. I hope he's a Penn State defensive coordinator for years, and there's very good position coaches and assistants around him. I look at a situation like what's evolving right now in Colorado with Deion Sanders. I know this is a Penn State football podcast, but let's talk about Deion Sanders. Is Everybody's like, oh, he can recruit the – Skill positions, quote unquote. He can recruit all those different spots, but then you hit the nail on the head. Can he recruit offensive linemen? Can he recruit defensive linemen? Can he can recruit he quarterbacks? Them? Can they work and they,
0: can they be feasible, workable product? A work, workable as a team? Otherwise, I mean, are these guys just going to say, "Well, no, I'm not going to go out there. You got to pay me to play," and and that's really crazy to think about. I mean, if these guys are mercenaries, and that's truly what they really are, I mean, you better have coaches who can handle these personalities, which I think they, Dion can. I really do. I think that he can handle because he was that personality. Uh, but he better, sure as hell, have some pretty good X and O guys to keep. If you're going to have all these five stars, you better coach them.
1: It's really uh, – it's just kind of gotten out of control. And, again, I have no expectation for the NCAA to step in and do anything. It, no. you know, if you maybe at some point see the conferences take matters into their own hands, that would probably be the next step. I, I don't even see that happening. It's it's just gotten very complicated. And then at the same time, you know, we, we talked about this a few moments ago, Keith, is that, oh, yeah, there's still a big bowl game to be played. <laughs> there's still the Rose Bowl against They're- an extremely good Utah team. And, uh, Matt – in the lead up to this game, how are you feeling about things as we get set to play the youth?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Real quick too, guys. On the last point I wanted to make there too, like they're still student athletes. True. Right. Like you cannot let like you can't move away from that because if you move away from that, what separates them from, from being a professional athlete? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. There's still student athletes. We still have to go back to that. We still have to remember that. Everybody still needs to remember that moving forward. Uh, no, no, yeah. and in terms of the Rose Bowl here, like, you know, and we talked about this, Tom, you know, gosh, you know, a couple of weeks back, like this is, this is Penn State's game to lose. This is, this is the game right here that will determine what the image for Penn State is in 2023. Are they in the conversation or are they not in the conversation? I mean, you look around, I mean, aside, I mean, outside of the college football playoff, I mean, you could make the argument that, that Penn State <laughs> has the most to lose out of anybody here in what 2023 holds. Big recruiting class. Um, you know, their only two losses are to teams that are both in the college football playoff here. Uh, I mean, you know, th- this uh, this is a game where Penn State can make their mark. They can go to 11-2, and two, win the Rose Bowl, and say, all right, we're here, we're turning the corner. Yes, if they win this game, you know, Goon, they could say we're over the hump now. Right. We are inching closer and closer to being that team that we talked about, you know, potentially being back in 2016 and where the program was headed there. Right. Um, so, that, I mean, that's what I think is at stake for Penn State here. Goon, what are your thoughts?
0: You're 100% right. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that we don't have – I mean, if we go out there and lay an egg, everybody can sit there and say, well, we told you the Big Ten, they played nobody. They The only two teams they played, they got whooped by. And we go out there and play Utah – so I think you're you're exactly right, we have more to lose than anybody. Yep. Uh, but we also have a lot to gain. And again, I go back to if you guys look up the '93 season, we had two losses that year. It was our first year in the Big Ten. We went on a five game win streak to end the game. We beat Heath Schuller in Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl, and that just elevated and just took took the team to the next level. Uh, in regards to you know how we kicked off 1994, it really it really was a big springboard. Uh, because again, again, '92 was such a sour taste in our mouth.
2: Talk talk a little bit about that that momentum heading into that that next year and how Penn uh, State could use that if they win yeah. this game on January second. Well,
0: you played on a losing bowl team, right?
2: Uh yeah. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we'll, well, yeah, yeah
0: we and lost. How bad was the winter conditioning?
2: Yeah. Well, winter conditioning is never fun.
0: <laughs> it's never fun, but it's also, but yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible. yeah. When you lose at least your last when you game. Win, he'll give you, he'll, Joe used to wait till like February to start the winter conditioning. When you lose, it's like January 14th. You guys are there at five in the morning. Never fun losing the last game. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you need we need this. James needs this. Penn State needs this. Just to say that we are for real. Uh we are, as of right now, we're one A in the Big Ten, you know. Uh, you know, God bless Ohio State, and Michigan. They they, uh, they had great seasons, but we don't win this game, or we or we don't show up in this game. It's just going to prove everybody right that, uh, you know, well, they played nobody. We didn't have a marquee win. Who was our marquee win? It was Auburn, who was a down SEC team, and you know, it'll be nice to beat the pack the Pac-12 champion. It really would, and I think it means a lot to our guys. It really does. And Utah was there last year, and they lost. So they might be a little hungry, but they could also be like, "All right, this is not—it's not a great bowl. It's not that much fun." And they might be like a little, a little downtrodden by being, you know, being in the Rose Bowl type of thing because they're there again two years in a row. So we jump on them. I, I we, you know, just keep the pressure on them. Uh, I like our chances. I really, really do. I if I had, you know, you know, top of the of the forty three games, I would of the forty three bowl games. If you had to put like where you were on who was going to win i would put penn state in the top 10 as in how comfortable and confident i am in, in them winning this game
1: yeah i agree with you I, I definitely think penn state can win it does feel like it's going to be kind of one of those 50 50 style games though i do think it's very very evenly matched i think the way utah I'll, is i'll set take up,
0: our chances with yep. with our defense in that in i mean just make a couple stops
1: yeah and that utah defense the way they just Lambasted the Trojans in the Pac 12 title game. I think people need to keep their eyes open. And for Utah, yeah. I think they felt disrespected by USC and by the country, being sure. in the Rose Bowl last year and having an absolute thriller shootout with Ohio State. I think they feel disrespected. So, if anything, I think the opposite of you, Keith, and that I think they're coming into the Rose Bowl happy to be there, but excited yeah. to prove themselves for the second year in a row. Yeah. I agree. Keith, we really appreciate that. Hey, so, back yeah. to the NIL stuff.
0: I have an honest question. If say a Mac team. So I, I always just say Toledo. If somebody, a rich donor was to give them $50 million, do you think they could within five years, win a national title?
2: I think you're going to have your answer with Colorado. <laughs>
0: oh, there you go. <laughs> but that's Colorado. That's, that's the power five. I'm saying that. Well, uh, well, 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 do, well. But you are right. You are right. You're totally right.
1: It is got and to it that point.
0: Yeah. You know, we can go back when this is in the off season and talk about it that yeah. What needs to be changed and what needs to be checked because this is out of control. It's not sustainable. I would love to have be been a freshman this year because there's about a four or five year window coming ahead where these kids are going to get big time money. It's and just
2: like it's like it, it like there there needs to be some type of salary cap. That's or, what it is. It's the only or, way, that,
0: or look at like the NBA, the NBA draft it's yeah. it's the slotted, slotted. it's only way to save college football as we know it and that is that is, is to pay them all the same yeah. because matt you've been in nfl locker rooms i've been in nfl locker rooms you know exactly what everybody makes and i'm gonna sit there and if i'm your left tackle you're my quarterback and you're getting five million dollars and i got 186 dollars for burger king i'm not gonna be happy about that you know what i mean and you, you know your well-being is in my hands uh there's going to be animosity there's animosity with 25 year old to 35 year old men adults in the nfl you're going to have that between 17 and 22 year old kids it's crazy to think about but it's going to happen and it's got to get under control it got to get under check and the only way to do that would be just flat out paying them with revenue sharing from you know conferences and schools but then you got to run into this Title IX shows up when the university starts paying out, and that's where they I, – I think it's where they don't want to go with it. So, whole other subjects.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- we could literally go on for hours about this. There's so many layers to it. But, uh, Goon, again, thank you sincerely for coming on. Happy holidays. We appreciate your time, and enjoy the Rose Bowl on January 2nd. Enjoy,
0: guys. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannifin. Pay Dirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pay Dirt.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.